And again, if you're visiting, we, we're glad you are here and visiting with us this morning. If you had kids and they got up in the middle, you, they go to the kids zone next room where they're ministered to greatly. And there's also visitors cards in the back of the seats and the back wall. If you want to fill that out, so we get, uh, just like to get to know you, who, who you are and, um, put, you can put that in the offering it would be great. Also, there should be prayer request cards and praise report cards in the back of seats. We'd love to get those. Um, you know, we pray for these. We rejoice with you over them. So if you want to do those, you can drop them in the, the offering boxes on the back wall on your way out is the best place. Um, and we get those on Monday. So anyways, we're going to, if we can get the overhead lights right above me, actually, before we turn on these lights, I got a quick video. Marissa's been waiting to play. Yeah. We need sound. That'll wake you up. Are you ready? Wow. You know, first, oh, kind of funny, and then it starts sobering and going, wait a second. You know, the Bible promises that Jesus will return in the same manner that he left. He was caught up into the clouds. He says, in the same manner, he'll come back. Why are you staring up at the sky? Yeah. Uh, he, he gave us a lot of commands, though, to be, to be ready and to be watching. And that's what we want to make sure that we are. I'm, I'm talking about this um, specifically this morning. This isn't the whole message, but it's going to go into our message. And if we could get these overhead lights, it'd be great, because I'm starting to get older and my vision is not like it used to be. You know, right now, recently, there's been this amidst of great books and a lot of talk about the end times, um, even actually specifically pointing towards this month. And already... The those who said September, and I'll t- give you a little bit of the background on it, not a lot, um, but there's been a number of people saying that September could be a, a really turning and tipping point. Um, some have said they believe that the, the Lord may be coming back right now, like this month, this season. Others are saying that it's the beginning and that we're going to see a tipping point in the, in the, a massive tipping point in the economy, in the culture. And there's a lot of things going on in the world today that really back these things up. Our culture is, is not in a great place. We become such an immoral and depraved society. And yet we're, we're just living life like normal. Um, in the Bible says that in, as in the days of Noah, they were marrying and giving in marriage and the flood came. And there's those who, who are pointing to this as a time. And there's, there's some, some big reasons. I'm not going to go into them, but if you've been reading any of them, um, there's a lot of the Jewish feasts are lining up. Um, this is a jubilee year, which we had our own jubilee, and, and where they're going to be setting the, the slaves free should be. It's a year where the, um, a lot of the Jewish feasts are lining up with blood moons. Um, on the same day, and so there's a lot of prophetic things been happening. And so September, and they said, look to September. Now, 
already because we've passed one of the dates in September of one of the Jewish feasts, um, there's already people out there saying, see, they're just heretics claiming another day. And that's not the point of claiming another day because no man knows the day or the hour, but we can judge the seasons. And our seasons are, are definitely looking like it would be a, it, it's a time that could be ripe for the, the return of the Lord, for the end. And what that looks like, um, is really a, a big message and we will get into that. I want to talk, uh, just a couple things that are happening in September and why some people have said September. The Feast of Trumpets was September 14th. Now we've been having a lot of, uh, over the course of years, a lot of things lined up with the, some of these feasts. Um, and the seven year jubilee, uh, jubilee years, 2001, September, multiple feasts happening was a jubilee year, year of jubilee, um, or this, you know, the seven year. Um, what else happened in 2001? 9-11. 2008, September, jubilee year, feasts. What happened in 2008? Stock market crashed. 2015, Blood moons lining up with these feasts, and so people are saying, listen, and you can go beyond these these others, and I, I am not as studied, I, I should have, Robert could come and, and talk for probably three or four hours on this. He really studies and, and reads a lot. I love his his point of view in it because he, he holds it, he says, these things are, are, you know, have happened, but no man knows the day or the hour. If you want to have a, a great conversation, though, Robert's, he's fun to talk to about these things. Um, so... September 14th was the Feast of Trumpets. The Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, he'll return. And the Feast of Trumpets just passed. And so some people were saying, he's coming back on that day. Well, that day has passed. Does it mean that he's not coming soon? Absolutely not. No man knows the day or the hour. No man knows the day or the hour. Um, this week, September 23rd, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. That's Wednesday. Then another another holiday, uh, another feast is Feast of Tabernacles coming September 28th. And, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles was um, celebrating when the, the Israelites were living in the desert for the 40 years. And they were, you know, they lived, lived on the go. And so people, the Jews actually still today, will build these little tabernacles in their yard. If you've ever been to a Jewish community around this time of year, it's, it's in the fall. They actually build these little tabernacles. Well, the word tabernacle is, is to dwell and, you know, the Lord also tabernacles with us. So we've got these things happening this month. And, and that's why some people are saying, wow, it's, it's really lining up that it could be a really kind of a demarcation. Some are believing in the return of the Lord or others just saying that, that something is going to happen financially, not just in the country, but in the world. Well, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that I even agree with all these things, but let's look, you know, China having a little bit of financial problems. I mean, their economy has been just growing and growing and growing, and now they've had kind of a, a collapse. We got Greece. We know our, our eight, 18 billion or trillion dollar debt in this nation. Um, things are crazy in the world. Of course, we've had the massive earthquake in Chile this week. Yet these things have happened in times past. And so, so what, what, what we kind of find ourselves doing often is going, see, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, or no, that's the same as it's always been. And really what we need to, to be is seeking the Lord and, and knowing Him. And every time I have this conversation, Robert and I end it, um, whenever we end it, we kind of end it the same way. And I say, okay, so how then shall we live? You know, great, these things, but how, what, how are we going to live as Christians? What is He calling us to do? What is He calling us more to, than to do? What is He calling us to be? 
You know, he's not called us to be worriers and to, to sound the alarm when there's no necessarily alarm. Uh, when we start picking dates, it's very dangerous as a church because when you pick a date and the date doesn't happen, it actually discredits prophecy. It discredits the church. A few years ago, uh, there was that old man who'd been, you know, serving the Lord and had the radio ministry and he picked the date. Um, and I, I, I forget get his name and, I mean, Harold Camp, yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, it was, it got to be big news, and they were, you know, start talking about selling everything, and, and the date came and went, and he actually apologized. He had missed it. So we're not looking into dates, but we are looking into lift up our heads, lift up our eyes. The king is coming back today, tomorrow, 30 years, 50 years, I don't know. But I, I do know that our nation is in a tipping point. It really is at a tipping point. Um, the Bible talks about in the end times, people will call evil good and good evil. And that is happening all the time. And we also find that in the church um, that, that there's a lot of churches, and I never want to do this, and, and come and correct me, and, and I've got people who will correct me and rebuke me, if, if I began to just preach a tickling ear message, you know, because it says that in, in the end times, people will lay up for themselves teachers, preachers, pastors, who will just tell them what they want to hear. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in God. I mean, God is, is amazingly loving and kind, but there's also the side that he's also a, a jealous God and a holy God and a righteous God, and he desires that we live a certain way. And, and there's truth that God, yes, loves everyone. But the other truth is that without Christ, no one will see the kingdom of God. Unless a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. So there's truth on both sides. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he loves the sinner of which I was one. But I've been washed. I've been cleansed. And he's done that in us. But so we need to come to Christ. And that is the whole, that is part of the gospel message. So that video is actually Robert this morning. He didn't even know where I was going, and, and it actually tied. He says, "Oh, remember that video?" And so I, I found it and, and played it. Notice not everyone in the church went. It's important to have a video that not everyone in the church goes, because the truth is, you can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can like it, and can still be unsaved. Salvation is found in no one, no other name except in Jesus Christ. And unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. We're not to judge. You know, we're, you know I don't want people looking around going, yeah, I think it's you would be left behind. <laughs> <laughs> but, but get the mirror out, look at yourself and say, am I saved? Do I, do I truly believe, believe this? So how does this tie into Joshua? Well, let's see if I can do this. This morning, I wanted to talk about... Um, a big theme in Joshua, and I, and I know that some of you in your life group have been talking about this question, and I believe it ties in, because we're going to talk about the whole book of Joshua in a sense. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, we're in chapter 11. The next few chapters of Joshua are talking about his conquests. They talk about the southern campaign, the northern campaign, the division of the lands, remaining lands to be conquered. And, and, and so that's kind of the, over the next couple of chapters where we're at. This morning, I want to talk about the theme of Joshua that's coming up. And that's God said to Joshua, utterly destroy everything, everyone. 
And as you, if you're reading the book of Joshua, and I, I, I pray that you're actually reading it for yourself. Also, you have found this said different ways. Utterly destroy everything. Destroy everything that breathes. If you run the King James, it says destroy every soul. And we're reading it, we're talking about it, but the discussions that I'm sure are happening for some of you is, is that okay? Is, is that okay that God sent people in to destroy everything? And why is that okay? And how, how does the God of love also have anger? So I want to, I want to try in the next 20 to 25 minutes, answer that question. I'm going to answer it as, as best I can in a short time because it's important to understand the character and nature of our God. It's important to understand that we don't always just have to say, well, the secret things are left to God. Who likes that, that, that scripture when you don't have an answer for what somebody's asking you? Well, the secret things are left to God. And it gets us out of having to answer that. And, and, um, or we just say, well, that was the God of the Old Testament. He's not the same anymore. Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible brings the character nature of God together. And so I want to bring up a couple of points that, that may help you understand. And, and there'll probably still be some more questions within your, your life group. Um, I would love to have any questions and, and emails if we need to keep addressing this. It's not going to be complete, but hopefully it might, might um, answer some of the questions, some of the things that I've come across. How could a loving God tell the Israelites to kill their enemies, even children? I'm, who's ever struggled with this? I'm going to raise my hand. I've struggled with this. And even after today, I will probably still struggle with this at times. Um, and you will too, but I, I pray that maybe we'll see a little bit more. Why does God kill so many people in the Old Testament? How can God bo be both loving and severe or loving and angry? So I want to talk about some of these questions real quick. I'm going to start with that last one real quick. Um, can anger and love coexist together? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who's ever had somebody hurt by somebody else in their life? Right? We all have, right? Somebody's, somebody that you love was hurt by somebody else. And your response is anger. Isn't it? Anger. Why? Because you love this person. Okay. So right there, you're a great example of love and anger in the same moment. God is the same. God loves us, and yet his anger burns towards sin, depravity, things that lead us astray, things that hurt us. It's okay to be angry at those things. And sometimes there is a person connected with that, and we have to remove that person. Even if you loved the person, you still remove the person. Who's ever had to do an intervention and said, you cannot come to my house while you are doing these things ever again. Those are hard moments. Interventions done out of love saying, no more. That's it. Who's ever stopped a child from being with a friend of theirs because the friend was evil, was, was doing things that were going to cause your child to walk away and to be hurt. Most of us parents have done that or tried to do that because of the love that we have and understanding. That is actually exactly what's happening in the book of Joshua. Now, hopefully I can, can get this done together and um, well this morning. The people that the Israelites, Joshua and the Israelites, were going to utterly destroy. Let me, let me talk a little bit about that this morning to understand 
these people weren't innocent. And they also were given warnings. The people group that we're talking about was all, all of us descended from Noah. Now, the, in Canaan, the Canaanites, um, which would be over here on kind of, you know, the Canaanites, they crossed the Jordan, and they crossed the Jordan and they went into the land of Canaan. That was a descendant of Ham, descendant of Canaan, who was the son of Ham. And so those people came right out of the descendants from Noah, who was a righteous man, who was a follower and servant of God Almighty. Okay, so these people knew originally who their God was. Now let's go forward a little bit and we come to Abraham. And this is where the promise begins for this whole conquesting campaign. It's kind of a history thing, but it's going to hopefully encourage us to understand the nature of God. So Abraham is given these promises. He says, look up at the stars. If you can count them, that's going to be how many your children are. I am going to send you to a land that's not your own. And you're going you're gonna to inherit the land and you're going to grow and multiply. This is 400 plus years before the conquests of Joshua. The same time of Abraham and his promise, something happens quite large in Abraham's life with his nephew Lot. Does anyone remember the, what happened with Lot? Okay, Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham and Lot separated. Lot goes and lives real close right in Sodom. And, and, and actually all these people, they're at war with each other. And there's a big war that happens. But the angels of the, the angel of the Lord comes by on his way to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is important. There's something important here. God does not just kill willy-nilly, but it seems like he does. And I'm going to try to connect these for us. On the way into Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham has a conversation with the angels. And, and they say, shall we hide it from Abraham what we're about to do? And so they explain to Abraham what's going to do. And Abraham begins interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, if there was 50 righteous in the city, would you destroy the whole city? And for the sake of the 50, I won't destroy the city. How about 45? For the sake of 45, I won't. 40, 30? It gets down to 10. For the sake of 10, will you destroy the city? For the sake of 10, I won't destroy the city. They didn't find 10 righteous. They found Lot and his family. And we don't even know if they were all righteous. But because Lot was, the angels appeared a lot and get him out of the city because everyone else was guilty. They were guilty. Depravity immorality and destruction comes. That should have served as, a, served as a warning to the people around that God's judgment comes on unrighteousness, that God's judgment comes when we live the way we want to live and don't heed. 400 years later, understanding that the God of the Bible was where they started from and that they knew of this God of the Bible and they're still living immor immoral, depraved lives. I want to read a couple of scriptures. Um, and if you're taking notes, you can write these down and go look them up also. Let's go to first Leviticus 18. Now in Leviticus, this was happens during the 40 years before Joshua comes in uh, to the promised land. And God is talking to Moses. See, sometimes I think, as you're going to Leviticus 18, sometimes I think we think that Joshua comes in and out of nowhere starts killing people. This isn't the case. This isn't the case. 400 plus years, God was waiting, waiting to actually go in and, and bring judgment. Uh, Leviticus 18 in verse 24. These are laws, in chapter 18, laws of sexual morality. And it goes through, talks about what, what, how that we're supposed to live. But starting in verse 24, he says, Do not defile yourselves when any of these things that I've just talked about, for by all these the nations are defiled. 
These nations are defiled because they are practicing these things, which I am casting out before you. I'm casting out the nations before you. For the land is defiled, therefore I will visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. So God is telling Moses, listen, the reason this is happening is because they have defiled themselves and their punishment is due because of their turning away from God, not living the way God had given for 400 plus years. These are the same people groups that came out of Sodom and Gomorrah and the like. Go with me to Leviticus, uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 9. This is a great verse for us who for self-righteousness, who maybe have felt that it was appropriate to point fingers or to go um, because of their righteousness to go and condemn or to judge or even to correct somebody. Of course, when we say condemn and judge, we go, well, I, I don't do that. But okay, so maybe correct. But when it comes from a point of I can correct you because I'm righteous, Deuteronomy chapter 9 deals with this. And this is what the Lord is saying to Israel. Verse 5. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land. Oh, okay. What is it? But because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out before you and that he may fulfill the Lord, which the, the word that the Lord swore to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for even you are a stiff-necked people. God's judgment was coming to these people because they had sinned and continued to sin and wouldn't stop sinning. And we see a Sodom and Gomorrah incident where the whole place is destroyed and it was known for depravity and for sin. I mean, these guys were wicked, and but the, the surrounding towns didn't get it together. Instead, they continued to live that way. We've, we know that in Canaan, that they were offering their children as sacrifices. They were burning their children offering them. There, they, there was crazy, horrible things happening. They were offering them to gods. They were, there was just sexual immorality. Everything was going wrong in these areas that Joshua came in, and they didn't repent. And, the, and so they are receiving their due penalty. Right now, some of you want to scoot away from who you're sitting next to. Just kidding. <laughs> Right? I'm going to receive the due penalty? Yes. We're going to receive it also. Except Christ is paying the, pun paying the price for those who've trusted on him, who've received his sacrifice. He receives that punishment on him. That's the only difference between Old and New Testament. Let me come back to these scriptures. So it's not because of righteousness, it's because of their unrighteousness and that they're going to receive the penalty of their sins upon them. So Sodom and Gomorrah, they have this, they have all of this time to be serving the one true God. I want to point out a, a quick thing. Moses, when he, before he comes, takes the children of Israel out, he runs away from after he kills the slaves. Remember, you know, in, in, in the story of the account of, of Moses and, and the Exodus, he leaves. Well, he has to leave because they're going to probably kill him because he's now killed an Egyptian. And in the desert, he finds a Midianite priest who he marries the daughter. And he lives with them and he becomes a shepherd. Well, this Midianite priest that we talk about, Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, also came as a descendant of Noah. 
And though he was not part of the children of Israel, he was a man of the Almighty God. He was a worshiper of God Almighty. Moses didn't take a pagan, horrible wife to himself. He took a wife of a people group who served the Most High God. They existed outside of Israel. There were still those who worshiped the one true God. They were all descendants from Noah. We follow, this is kind of like a, kind of a Bible college almost thing going on here. So try not to fall asleep. If it gets too hot, we can turn on the thing and I'll be done in 10 minutes. Okay? But, but it's, it's good because we're, we're told to be ready to give an account, a reason for the hope that we have. We're not supposed to just be a people who say, well, I just love God and that's enough. We're actually called to be able to, to answer why we believe and, and tell people why God is not an unjust God. We can actually become those who could, could talk to a, a culture. Atheists, this is one of their favorite topics, by the way. They really like this. Well, the reason I'm not a Christian is because, you know, God's a hypocrite. Because he killed people and he says, thou shalt not kill. Well, that's actually almost simple. The word in the, in the, the commandments is a different word than it is when he uses kill in other places. It's murder. It's outright murder. So, so the King James Version really kind of messes up. A lot of us were raised on the King James Version. It says, thou shalt not kill. All the other versions have it better. Most of the other versions have it better because it says, thou shalt not murder. There's a, there is a difference. In fact, so much of a difference that when God is, now I'm going to have to do this real quick. When God was ta- giving the commands to the people, he set up cities of refuge. And if you've read this, cities of refuge, in case somebody killed somebody unintentionally, they could run to the city of refuge and they were safe there because it was a killing. It wasn't a murder because murderers are to be stoned life for life, not be able to get away because they're faster. The cities of refuge were set up for killers, those who killed manslaughter type of cases so that the, the offended the, the relative could actually um, go and, and take care of the matter and kill them unless they were in a city of refuge. Well, God wouldn't do that if the, the punishment for murder is death. That's the punishment for murder. Thou shalt not murder. That is not what God did when he came in and he judged. He's bringing judgment of sin and wickedness. Let me give a couple other real quick quick things on this. This one is true, but left alone is a weak response, I believe. I believe that we, we, this, it's true, but we also understand that God's judgment was not coming in on, on innocent people. And in fact, let me go quickly with the, the innocence of children, because that's going to be looming over us. Okay, I get it. The older people, they're bad. They're doing bad things, but the children were innocent. If you study sociology at all, children from a very young age adapt to the principles and the morality of the people group that they're living in. African children from eight years old, kidnapped, taken off and taught how to fight, become killers in the African army. We've seen the movies, they're true. Little children choosing to become suicide bombers because the culture of the people is depraved. In the process of of adopting and fostering, we find that even from a very young age, so much damage can be done upon these what should have been an innocent little child. And they have bents. And so, now this this is a hard one, but so are these children innocent? Maybe they haven't done these things. But their propensity already 
is going to be leaning towards these things. And so when did God destroy the kid? Now, some people say, well, I don't think God did destroy the children. Maybe not. Maybe not. They could have been saying just the men, but it says everything that breathed. And you go, well, that just seems so unfair. So don't check out yet, because this is a hard one. He destroys everyone because he knows that these children will grow up and they will take the children of Israel away from the worship of the one true God. They will, be, they will begin to intermix. And remember, the Messiah is coming through the one nation of Israel. The Savior of the world is coming. And they have to stay pure. They have to stay on track. And, 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 and you're, if you're, you're sitting in here saying, that still seems so unfair. So let me, it, it does. I'm having a hard time with this. But then we say, death. What is the scripture? Death, where's your victory? Grave, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Yeah, the grave has no, where's your victory grave and death, where's your sting? Why? Because this life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. Before Christ came, what happens to those that die before? Well, the, we're not going to go there, but is God in control of, of eternal placement of anyone who died before Christ came? Yes. We know that there was Abraham's bosom. So did, did he condemn these children to hell? Or did he condemn the children to death? There's a difference. And you say, well, it still seems unfair. There's a, such a catastrophic, such a massive difference in between this moment. Okay, so he goes, we destroy them. But if he said they're going to be with him, then what is that? That is breathing here one moment and with God the next. That doesn't seem like much of a punishment. Chop my head off and they're doing that and I'm going to be with, with Jesus. That's why... Christian martyrs, we don't have to be afraid of death because it's really not a punishment. It really is a release. Okay? We're still having a hard time with this. We have to pray through it, but I, th that, is, that is part of this. Um, and I, I, we have to bring it up because I think you're bringing it up in your life groups. The innocence. Another, back to, to a moment ago, another part of this equation is God created us. God created this land. God holds all things together. He knows the number of hairs on our head and he knows the number of our days. If he wants, he's the one who gives life. He has the ability to take it away. Job said the same thing. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? Because he understood greater than now, greater than this, he understood the big picture. The God of love and of righteousness and holiness. Okay, a couple, couple of quick points and then you guys will have a a wonderful time in here. All the life group leaders are saying, thanks, Pastor Rob. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to be meeting with some of the life group leaders this week. We have a, we have a problem in, in the church, and we've always had the problem in, in this world, and I say in the church, in the, in the body of Christ. We live so finitely. We don't really, really, most of the time, understand eternity. So we only know to live for today and all of these things. A big part of this is getting outside of today and understanding the, God, the grand scheme of things and, and understanding God. One of the things that, that happened when Joshua came in is that it was a witness to others around of the power of God. It can actually be a witness to other nations being destroyed, saying, wow, this is the one true God. It's a witness to others. Part of it was the Israelites needed to not be contaminated by these other cultures that were coming in. That's why it was always utterly destroyed. 
But let me talk about the God, grace of God. Did God always kill everyone? No. Think of Rahab and her family. They were spared. The righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were spared. He spares the righteous. He has grace. Had they intermarried, the light of the Almighty God would have really been extinguished. Is it a wonder to you that the nation of Israel exists today? It shouldn't. I mean, they are the same group, people group, for thousands and thousands of years. Anyone know any Babylonians? They're not called Babylonians anymore. Their culture, their people group was extinguished. The ancient people groups, not just because you were born in a location, but the, the religion and the social structure is all changed, but the Israelites have survived, and they survived without a nation. And then God gave them a nation, and they went back, and they're, I mean, it's amazing. This is because God had a plan for the nation of Israel, and they needed to not be contaminated and polluted by the others. Let's go back real quick, just really, really quick in this one. This is just a, a simple one. Let's go to the culture of the moment. The other cultures that, that Joshua exterminated, what do you think they were doing? They were attacking and gaining land themselves. This is happening within their own nations and cultures, and they would go in and utterly destroy, and they would capture, and they would conquer. I mean, this is what was happening in the culture. So for Israel to come in, in a sense, in their own timing, this well, yeah, that's what a nation, a conquering nation does. That comes in, and they conquer, and they subject, and they subdue. There's a lot of lessons that, that we, we pull out of here, but, but understanding that God is a God of love and a God of righteousness and holiness. He hates sin, but loves the sinner. He loves us like crazy. We do also have to understand that doing something for God is different than doing something in his name. Joshua was commanded directly to do this. There's a lot of people who do things in the name of God. They're not commanded. They just believe that's what they're supposed to do. A quick example would be, I might be really frustrated with my truck. I mean, the thing is falling apart. The door now flies open, and you can't open the passenger side door, and you can't open the tailgate, and, you know, and the dashboard jiggles. And I mean, it's just, and I might say, sometimes I just want to shoot my truck. <laughs> okay, who's ever been there, right? I just want to shoot my car. One of you jumps up runs outside, happens to have your shotgun in the back of your car, and starts shooting my truck. And you come back in here and say, Pastor Rob, I did it in your name. Your, sh your truck is shot. That's far different than if I actually say, Hey, Robert, will you go out and just shoot my truck for me? I mean, I, and I'm serious. Will you do it? And he goes, hey, this will be fun. You know, windows blowing out. And I mean, come on. Who's, who, who has not wanted to blow out a car window? But it's different when I ask than somebody taking it upon themselves to say, I'm going to do this in Rob's name. See, God in his righteousness as the creator of all, as the one who holds life, sustains life, who has a plan to bring salvation to the world, brought judgment for sin upon a people group. And he's righteous and he can do that. If my child, who I've given a Nintendo DS to, is not behaving, I take the DS away. Am I a meanie? Am I unrighteous? Or are they receiving punishment 
of something that I gave them, and I say, Dad giveth and Dad taketh away. We serve a God who is holy and righteous. Now, this is the part, because he is infallible, because he is, it's impossible for him to sin, because he is holy and righteous, when he does these things, we say, they have to be good. He didn't just have a bad day and say, kill him because I'm angry. He does it in keeping with his righteousness. And notice that we are not commanded to kill in the New Testament. It's because Jesus came. And he says, listen, I am holding off the wrath and the judgment. But church, we need to know it's coming. If it wasn't for Jesus and him coming, this nation would have had to be judged. And they would have taken all the righteous people and had to move to Texas. (laughs) And the rest of the nation would be destroyed. And And I say, and it sounds funny, but I believe that to be true. Because of Jesus, his sacrifice and his, his blood and him saying, the Bible says that he is, he is slow and he doesn't want to bring about wrath and he is, he wants all to come to repentance. I mean, he was slow in the old 400 years is quite a long time that God withheld the punishment for the sin. He says their iniquity is not even full yet, he, told, he said in the Old Testament, until the time came. He doesn't want to bring judgment. He wants all to come to repentance. He wants all to come to salvation. But there is a truth that he will judge sin. And he will judge unrighteousness. Let's not ever take the fact that we're alive and that God allows us to sin as his rubber stamp of approval saying, he's okay with the way I live. No. He's grieved when we sin. He's grieved when we do the things that he tells us not to do. But judgment has been taken care of in the blood of Christ. Tough message? Tough message. But we serve an almighty, loving God. And the end is coming. The trump is going to sound. We'll be someday forever with Him. Those of us who've called on His name and repented of our sins and trusted Him to be our Savior. Heavenly Father, right now this morning, we look to You to be our truth. God, we thank you that the word of God is true. It's also alive. It, can, it teaches us, it encourages us, it challenges us. Lord, I pray that we'd all be brought closer to you today through this quick portion of Joshua. God, I would pray that all of us in this room would take a look at our own heart and our own life and, and commit it to you afresh. God, that you would call us to repenting from the things that are separating us from you, from the things that you call unholy, that you call evil and unrighteous, God, that we would repent and we would walk away from those things and we would commit fully to you. God, I pray for all of us that you would help us to trust you and to see your grace and your love. God, these moments are hard and to to see things that is out of our culture and out of our understanding. Lord, I pray that you would continue this message to help us understand your righteousness and your goodness toward us, but also remembering that there is a judgment coming and a wrath of God that will be poured upon this earth for all those that don't know you. But Father, we thank you that you provided a way for us to be saved and to not be children of wrath. God, walk with us and strengthen us each and every new day. God, I pray that we would you would bind us together and and cause us to be in relationship with others that we can ask and talk these things through and and trust you more and more. God, I pray that you would bless the life groups this week as they 
uh, go into this this discussion, and um, that that we'd always be pointing to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Yahweh, we commit this service to you and our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.